This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and term supply. See McDonald's.com. Wilfred Zahar looking like Palace's most likely creator of something this evening. See the stars of tomorrow. Today. Welcome back to our coverage of Liverpool versus Crystal Palace from Sellers Park in the Under-21 Development League. Plays it up the line to Alessandri. Alessandri now at half Causing all sorts of trouble with his control, isn't he, Alessandri? Live commentary from all home development games. Only on Homestyle Radio. Live commentary. Good game, Swift coming back now. Oh, he's played a loose pass. And Sakaja will get there. Oh, Blackburn's come right out of the area and flattered. Sakaja, and it's gone free, and the keeper's way out of the area. And it's a goal for Palace! Live interviews. To an Arden football watcher, it was clear in my mind that we had like a bunch of new guys and we'd lost a, a, a you know, big name, big players for us, Scannell, Klein, Ambrose. It, we, we were never going to just come out the block swinging, were we? You know what I mean? Expert analysis. A surprise draw at the end there, Mark. A surprise to no one more than me. Completely didn't realise we'd scored a second goal. Well, most of the time anyway. Homesdale Radio. Whether you're listening live or to the podcast, call us now to air your opinion. 0203 4755 That's 0203 4755 Hi and welcome to Homesdale Radio. I'm Chris Hambling and I will be your host for today's international break show. Joining me today are Joe Holyoke and Nick Gard. Hello chaps. Evening. Evening indeed. Are you there, Joe? Mm. I am. Oh, there you are. You just decided to be you know, a little bit quiet there. Uh, today, we're going to be chatting to Palace legend Mark Bright, uh, once we can find him. Uh, and We'll talk to Mark about all things Palace and uh, football in general, really. Uh, we had an interview with, with um, Mark, sort of one, uh, well, sort of pretty much one of our first shows. And um, yeah, so we're looking forward to, to part two of that. Um, other things we'll be doing today, uh, we'll be looking ahead to that game against Millwall, um, 1pm kickoff. Uh, we'll be showcasing the band The Renowns, uh, two of whom are Palace fans, uh, ahead of the lads paying us a little visit next week. Uh, we'll have all the latest news from Palace in our News in Brief feature. 
And obviously, if you want to get in touch with us today, you can do so. It's uh, tweets are to be sent to at HOL Radio, or you can email us. It's radio at homesdale.net. Um, but at this moment in time, oh, apparently I've got to make the uh, the chat room um, known. Uh, it's www.wholeradio.net forward slash chat if you want to go in there and uh, talk to some other people who are currently listening about you know what's going on on the show and various other things. Nick, you spend a lot of time in there. What goes on? Um, well, Tyler J. Smart is talking about um, serial thrillers poetry at the moment, which is a oh, bit no. random. That was pretty special last week. Um, obviously, we had to release it as a separate podcast. It was a serial thriller's rather wonderful poem. But I'm hoping we'll get some more listener poetry today, and maybe I can use my sonorous tones once more to um, to showcase it. So, if yeah, why not email us a poem at radio at homestyle.net. Um, anyway, listen, uh, while we're trying to sort out a connection to, to Brighty, we shall uh, go ahead with news in brief. All the latest news from around Selhurst Park. This is News in Brief. Homestyle Radio are pleased to announce the Wilfs Aha He's Just Too Good For You t-shirts are now on sale for just £12, including delivery to mainland UK. Snap them up quickly as the price goes up from this coming Friday as the introductory offer ends. Visit www.holradio.net forward slash shirt to order yours today. Crystal Palace are celebrating a double reward for a great September as the Football League sponsors N-Power announced that the Championship Manager of the Month was Dougie Friedman and the Player of the Month was um, Glenn Murray. With four wins and a draw, um, Dougie did very well to get the, um, the award and they team top the form charts for September. Uh, Murray got his award for his six goals he scored in September. Gangnam Style Dancing has hit the nation big time over the last few weeks with the track hitting number one in the UK and the USA. Now you can watch the Crystals doing what they do best in this song dance combo. Visit cpfc.co.uk to watch it. News in brief. 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 Now Nick, um, I wanted to talk to you about your performance during News in Brief. <laughs> um, what about it? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't your best work, was it? I've done better. I mean, I've can done you, better. I mean, look, you're you're a teacher, okay? Yes. You're, you know, effectively paid to sort of deal with the whole reading and writing thing. And um, I, I, I hold my hands up. I, I normally teach eight-year-olds, but I was actually reading what looked like a three-year-old had written and trying to um, turn it into plain English, and I failed <laughs> miserably. Oh dear. Um. Anyway, listen, we're uh, we're still trying to track down Mark Bright. I think there's some sort of issue with the um, Skype account that we have for him. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump ahead to our um, couple of little bits and pieces. The first bit is um, a little, just a little feature we've got on a, it's a band called The Renowns. Um, I think they used to be called Change Persona, something like that. But um, they're a, a rock and roll band, basically, from Red Hill, uh, which is not too far from me. And the guitarists are a big Crystal Palace fans. Uh, we've got them live on the show next Sunday from, from 8pm uh, but we've got a little taste of what they're all about and uh, here's one of their tracks Take What You Have
Can everybody see? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, that, we're now back, live. That, that was the voice of uh, Mark Bright. Hi, Mark. Good evening, everybody. Are you right? How you doing? I'm good. Sorry about that. A bit earlier, right. but just, um, I thought I was online, and I wasn't. That's all right. I'm still blaming the producer. One way blame somebody. One way or another, it's his fault. <laughs> point, point fingers and blame. Exactly. Makes me feel better anyway. Anyway, well, obviously we've, um, we spoke to you some time ago when we were just getting, invo- getting into this sort of uh, radio presenting sort of business and you were very yeah. generous of your time then. Um, obviously we don't want to cover that ground again because people can go back and, and, and listen to that, although we've got a few listener questions that might sort of cross over and what have you. Yeah. But um, basically we're going to get straight into it, Mark. We've got um, various few questions. Obviously we're in the international break. Yeah. Um, so one of the first things I wanted to talk to you about is 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 the England setup and 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 what what's going on there. Obviously, Roy Hodgson, he's the man in charge right now. Uh, yeah. Vast experience, fantastic reputation in the game. Um, but is in in your view, is he the right man to take the England team forward? Well, my view's got nothing to do with it. As he's got the job, um, he's he's done well so far. I think it's seven games. I think it's four wins. And I think if you're discarding the Italy loss on penalties, I think. Um, uh, he's done quite well. Mm. It's disappointing, obviously, drawing with Ukraine because um, obviously we expected to get something out of that one. But we're sitting top of the group, or is it seven points? Um, mm. Three games played. Um, the San Marino game was a no-win situation, as we all know. Five goals, nine goals. You know, I don't think anyone would have been happy unless it was double figures. But very difficult. No. They've been beaten six already. So listen, it, I, I think we're on. You know. We be, if we beat Poland, we're in a, a good situation, um, you know, and it'll be da- won't go down to goal difference in the San Marino game. I don't think. I think it'll be a points thing. So, it, so I think it's looking quite good for us. Yeah, it's, it's looking very promising. He's made a good start. I mean, he doesn't seem to get. I mean, it doesn't seem to be any real major positivity behind him from from sort of anyone really. Well, I think I think because the majority of people wanted Harry, didn't they? I mean, yeah. we all assumed when the Harry's court case was over and. Uh, we all said, right, Harry for England. And I, I think, you know, if you ask Harry, he thought probably he would get the job as well. Um, Roy ticked a load, lots of boxes. I mean, this is, it's, it's old hat now what he ticks. You know, he speaks languages. He's, he's led two international teams to champion, to um, tournaments. Um, he's very well respected in UEFA and, and in world football. Um, Inter Milan didn't work for him at Liverpool, but, you know... It, He's a very well-respected coach and seemed to unify the team for the for the Euros. And, you know, you can see the guys were, regardless of which way you look at it, was singing the national anthem. They were together. Um, you never heard any complaints. They were all happy with what was going on. Introduced Gary Neville to the setup. Um, lots of people seem to think that's a positive. So, mm. um, yeah, no real complaints. Um I mean, on, I suppose on that subject, I think it's fair to say we've we've got a good manager there. In fact, it's, it's Joe's question. I was about to steal it. Sorry, Joe. Uh, hello, Mark. Um, yeah, I mean, do you think that the England players are as good as they're made out to be? I, I know it's, it may be a, an obscure question, but I mean, you know, as fans, we look in and sometimes are we the only people that sort of do we see something different? That, no. Than, Listen, I think I think if you look at the Premier League, is the, the most successful um, football in export probably from this country. It's um, it's two hundred and eleven countries I think that buy the Premier League football. We like our football fast and furious. We like lots of action in it. We don't like the slowly, slowly build up. I mean, I watched I watched the Spanish football, and I have to say, you know, some of it's great, and I love the you know the El Clasicos, and and some of it's very slow and ponderous, and um, you know, we like ours action packed. Um, 
when it doesn't lend itself to an international style of football, as we know. So we look at our players and you think, right, you could take players out of our team and say, which team wouldn't they get in? Or, who, you know, Joe Hart could, could play goals for any country in the world, as far as I'm concerned. He's, he's a fantastic um, player. Yeah, um, great. Ashley Cole, one of the best left-backs in the world, there's no question about that. You'd have to say that Wayne Rooney, regardless of inter- his international form, he's still one of the most sort of fetid players by the, the foreign boys. You know, if you see on Twitter when the Europe, when the uh, the Champions League comes around, you know, people like Iniesta are a lot, a lot tweeting how good Wayne Rooney is and the respect for each other, the, the, the top players, is, is, is great because we'd never know that unless he was interviewed and he said in an interview, I, I really like Wayne Rooney, I think he's brilliant. I think, you know, the boys, the, the top European players were saying... Paul Scholes is one of the best players they've ever seen or played against, you know. So we have got really good players, but we, we're in a situation which we all know is like Spain, where we've got a great bunch group of players. We are rated highly um, and we haven't produced. We haven't won anything. So we're hoping we, it, it, what can happen to Spain can happen to us. But I think in reality, we all know that, you know, they're very composed in possession. The, the style of play, very, very good um, with England. When we come up against stiff opposition, we seem to we just struggle. Our, our world ranking is like six or five or something, you know. So that says we'll get to the quarters or the semis, and that's usually what happens. So yeah. can we yeah, go that step? That's what we're all hoping we can do. But I, I like what Roy's done. He's introduced a lot of the younger players to the team. You know, cleverly. It's nice to hear that Jack Wilshire's fit and he's played a couple of games in the in in um, you know for the reserves. Walker's come into the squad. Um, Baines has come in. I know he's twenty seven. Jagielka, I think, is 30. Um, but, you know, we, we, are, we are introducing a younger brand of player and, you know, it, it would be, you know, be nice in, in two years' time. We, we always say, well, what about him? What about him? What about Crouch? We're, hold on a minute. Are we trying to, we're trying to move things forward and that sort of thing. I've loved the Oxley chamberlain thing because, obviously, I played with his dad at Port Vale, uh, Mark. So, love him. Like Walcott being involved, regardless of what everybody says about him. Still think he's got a lot to offer. Yeah, Andy Carroll will come good again. So what Roy's doing is bringing the age of the, the, the team down and something to plan for the future and try and step forward. With the opening of St George's Park as well, I went to the opening the opening day. It is fantastic. It is a brilliant setup. We're hoping it's going to improve the players. But the, the argument is there isn't enough top English players at the top English clubs playing European, getting European experience all the time. So, you know, the only time the, you've got to look at the under-21s and I've got to say I saw Germany play um, the other day and, Again, Switzerland, oh. and I thought Switzerland were awesome. The under twenty one team, awesome. They drew one one in the end. It's a two legged thing, a playoff to get to the finals in Israel. And um, Germany's just got a, a conveyor belt of talent coming through. But the Swiss were very good as well. So, listen it, to answer your question. I think we are moving forward. We 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 are a we, we have a great product in the Premier League. Um, people criticise us all the time because we don't seem to produce the goods at, at, at the highest level when it counts, when we get to the tournaments and get to the, you know, the World Cup finals, the European, Cup, the European Championships. I'm one of those who want us to do so well and, and critical when we don't do well because we, we feel we have the players to, to achieve something. I mean, I completely agree. I mean, to a certain point, you mentioned Paul Scholes. I mean, do you, do you think that we've got anybody with the with the class that he's got? I mean, at, at his age, the way that he's still playing for Man for Man United, do you not s- still think that he could sit in the middle and and orchestrate like he does? Because I don't think there's any. We can only liken him to people like Iniesta. Honestly, I, I think he is so good. He's he, he, he's. I tell you what's what's 
when you, you talk about things like that, I've interviewed lots of Manchester United players over the years, you know, from Paul Lynch to Terry Sheringham, Ryan Giggs, David Beckham. And, and you know what? They'll all say the same thing. If I said, tell me the best player at Manchester United, they'll all say Paul Scholes. And I yeah, said to right, Terry yeah. Sheringham, why? He goes, because he'll do something every day in training, right? That makes you say, wow. And that's quite a hard thing to do. You know, we writer used to do things at Palace, overhead kicks and like back heels and things like that. And everyone used to, used to laugh and say brilliant and say, do it on a Saturday because that's the big thing, doing it on the big stage. And I think when he came back out of retirement, at first I thought it was a mistake. And then after, afterwards, I just thought well, he's, he's been such a steady influence on that team, the younger players. He's, he's, he's unfussy. You know, you never see him in magazines or TV shows or adverts or anything. He just likes to play football, get on with it. And, you know, he's coming to the end of a, a glittering career and he still feels he's got something to give. Sir Alex Ferguson still feels he's got something to give. And so do the Manchester United players and fans. So he is an outstanding talent. But we have to move forward. He's 37. We know what are we saying? He can bring him back into play. He's going to be 38, 39 by the time Brazil comes around, Rio. So, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not really a, it's not an option to me. You know, we have to try and give these kids a chance. I mean, Cleverly is growing into it a little bit, you know. I, I quite like him. And, and like we said before, if we can get Wilshire fit and keep him fit, he, he's different than any other English player, I think. He's a real talent. Hello, Mark. Um, Nick here. Talking about um, English players, um, the, one of the ways the FA wanted to, to bring more English players into the game was through the EPPP. hope that's enough. Yeah, I know. That, uh, it's yeah. caused concern, particularly at Palace, because, you know, we're renowned for, for bringing through fantastic players. Yeah. And um, you know, we're getting a fraction of the money. Yeah, I know that Palace were very vocal in this, you know, and you know, I've been up to the Premier League and, I, and, I've, and I've chatted to a couple of the guys there and and the, the idea, the concept is good. It's just the, the reward. Make sure that if you are taking the players, that they get they get rewarded for it healthily. And you know, I think I'm not sure what we got for Klein for, for Nathaniel Klein. Um, I think it was about two two and a half million pounds. You know, and obviously the, read the pick up the papers today, and we read that Wilfred, you know, that uh, AVB and Spurs are looking to make a bid for him in January, which obviously opposition right now and the way that the club have, have recovered from the poor start of the season it's not the it's not what we want to hear but Wilfred's causing a stir you know he everyone's talking about him in the game you know people I'm talking to and coaches and you know other other ex-players are, are asking me more and more about him now you know he and and, and the, the, well we all know that probably outside of the Premier League he, he is the biggest talent in in the country now you know I say that quite biasly because I've we, I've seen a lot of him and but, you know, in the championship, is, is there's some great players in the championship. There's no question about that. But he can do things that other players can't do. And, you know, I'd have to say that the EPPP, it, you know, it, it's, it's in and we have to accept it. But what, what the club was concerned about, that you're not, you're not going to get the worth, the, the value that you've put into the training and everything to the kids. As you know, the South London is a catchment area that, you know, Mill want, Charlton want, we want. And all the clubs, like the North London clubs, like, you know, Arsenal and a lot, they come and they try and grab the players and cherry pick and we want to keep them, we want to groom them and bring them through the system and, you know, it's fantastic for what's happened for, for Scannell, for Victor, um, uh, obviously Johnny Williams now coming through and um, De Silva coming through, you know, I'm sure that, you know, down the line we'll have Ryan Innes and a few of the other younger players come through. Um, so we want to continue to, 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 to groom our own players and feed the first team because regardless of where you are, what what, what league you're in, your, your youth policy is going to be paramount to, to your football club. And, you know, I went and watched Chelsea last year in the FA Youth Cup final and, and you know, 
I was asking one of the guys there, you know, where did they have him from? Where did they have him? And virtually all the players were, were bought. Yeah. Oh, the end had been come through the schoolboys, you know, like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. They hadn't come through that. They'd been brought from other clubs. And listen, that, that's, how, that's the way of the world. We know that from the top level. These clubs buy the players off other clubs. And, and in the old days, that's how everyone used to flourish. The lower division clubs, they used to come in and say, we'll give you 600,000, we'll give you 800,000 for him. And that used to keep the clubs afloat. But, you know, with the EPPP, it, it, what they're going to do is, you, you, as you know, the system, the way it works is how many years he's been at the club, how much training you put in, how old he is, and, and then you'll get that value. So it'll be a stock value. And regardless of how talented the player is, or you see, how, you know that, you, you know, we know that Johnny Williams is, is, is you know, going to go on to, to good things. And, you know, we know that Wilfred's going to go on to good things. And Victor, when they're coming through the system, you know, basically some players are better than others you know but we want them yeah. all to be well and you know that they're going to go now for a stock price this is what the fee will be regardless if you say well we know he's going to do well i'm sorry that's what you get for him so yeah very critical about that but in, in essence the best players with the best clubs with the best training should benefit the national team we're only down the line will we know that and we'll see if that, if that, if that works yeah it's, it's it's a really strange one i mean obviously the fact that it's it's for the benefit of the national team, but yet, as as you're talking about, a lot of the the youngsters. Are, I mean, we've been doing commentary on the under twenty one development league for Palace. Yeah, and and obviously we've we've seen the likes of Man City and Chelsea and Liverpool visit. Yeah. and like you yeah. say, we, we're going through their team. And it's like oh, they bought him for two and a half, yeah. and they bought him for me. Yeah, and they're not only not only that, but they're not English talent, and and it just seems counterproductive. But yeah, um, I suppose I mean we will touch on on the like um, we've got a whole subject on on Wilf um, coming up, but um. Yeah. You're right in in that there's a, there's a sort of a, a sort of, I suppose Palace are the flip side of it. They're the ones who are showing that you know local talent developing and just giving them game time is another way to go. I suppose. But um, if I can take a little. Sorry. I'll... Yep. Carry on. No, I was going to say take take us away from me EPPP for for a little bit and just say in, in a sort of a bit of an open ended question really. But if you could make sort of one change or improvement to the national game yourself uh, in this country, uh, w- what would it be? At any level, yeah, I think so. I think I think the one sort of what do you think the most important change that could realistically be made to to you know to to change the direction or, or make progress in the in the national game? No, it's 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 a cultural thing. It's the way we play. If you go abroad and watch any of the the youngsters playing in you know anywhere France or or whatever, they they play differently, and that's what I think we have to. I'd, I'd stop. I'd stop them kicking the ball for the goalkeepers from the from the back from the young age. Stop them kicking it, and I just uh, you know bring, bring in a rule that you you got to put a line across the pitch, and from that area you can't really press. You, your strikers can't go in there and let the goalkeeper throw it and play from the back. You, if we never get used to it, and you know I was watching games this yesterday morning, my boy was playing, and I was watching in the park, and I was watching how everybody kicks it, just kicks it, get rid of it, clear it, kick it, and, and you know I said there's you know I said to one guy there's a difference between clearing it and passing it out and what we we all want the english team to play like spain but this is what we do at the at the youngest age when we're grooming them just tell them to clear it and kick it out get the keeper to boot it down the pitch free kicks boot down the pitch no one plays short and tries to play from the back and that's what we try and encourage players to do you know i went down and watched the other week with our academy boys and you know i know the guys work really hard gary and the boys down there and ben they, they work really hard with the with with the, the the youngsters, as we know, you know, because I'm kind of like I've missed a year because of my hit, but I used to go and take the strikers, and I'm hopefully going to get back into it this season um, down in the academy. And 
we work on possession and movement and triangles and touch and awareness and understanding of the game, you know, because this is how you develop players. And then on the Saturday you go and it's a crash bang wallop. And it, it's very difficult to, to get the mentality to change to don't always boot it down the line, turn and go back to the centre back, go back to the keeper, spread out, the two centre backs split, split the, the full backs go wide on the touchline, pass to the full backs, pass to the centre backs, into the midfield. This is what we're trying to do. And then when it comes to Saturday, it's like the res- result orientated. We, you don't want to be you know, losing, you don't want it in the programme you've lost or whatever. So it's, it's, it's a cultural thing and it's very, very difficult to say that one thing will change the whole outlook of how we play the game. On that subject, Mark, I was watching my son this morning, and it's it's great watching your kids play, isn't it? You, you kind of kick every ball with them. Oh, they get beat um, every week. <laughs> yeah, my, my my son's team did well this morning, and they won six two. But my only complaint was the pitch was too big, and the goals yeah. were too big, well, and it was just they were they were knackered after an hour, and it was it was yeah. virtually a full size pitch, and, and my That's son's ten. I think next year, I think uh, next year, I think it is, isn't it? With the the, the pitch side, um, it's all relative to the age and everything, and. And listen, I watched the game yesterday and there was one or two guys on the pitch who touched the ball three times, four times in like, you know, half an hour. I can't be yeah. right. I can't be good. That's what we're talking about. You know, the small sided games, the 4v4, the 5v5 and futsal being a bit, playing a big part at, at, at St. George's Park, the National Stadium. They've got a futsal pitch in there. So that tells you how important they see that the future of, uh, of it, that part it can play in football, the role it can play, more touches, neater touch, tighter area. Um, you know, dribbling your way out Talking. of problems in your way. They're all things that we want to improve on, but I'd have to say the, the more touches of the ball we can have and the more awareness, but the players have got to want to watch and learn. And that's where I find that, you know, watching football and, and learning and asking questions and talking to the pros. And, you know, when you become an academy player, you know, I know that they get mentored by one of the senior players and, they, you know, they can watch them in training and ask any questions, you know, but it's up to the, the player to to want to improve himself and you know I did a talk at last season the season before I think when the academy boys got their got their places at the club and um, I was asked just to go down and I just went in a room there was no coaches and the, the guys were there and I just said listen you know it's like one in a hundred it's something like that that he's going to make it you know there's 18 20 of you in here who's going to make it who's going to work the hardest if you don't make it but you work as hard as you can you have no qualms you say you know what I didn't make the grade I wasn't good enough you can still play part-time football and you might still come again come back into it you know but what you want to do is give yourself the best opportunity you can this football club has got a reputation and, and is renowned for playing youngsters if you're good enough you come through the system you play right back to my days with Richard Sword, John Solarco, Gareth Southgate um, Woody, there was loads of players um, who come through the system. I mean, we bought Cookie in, but um, there was just loads of players who came through the system because the club is one of those clubs that can't afford to keep going out and buying big. It bought some lower division players and knitted them all together, and we all made something of ourselves and the club at the same time. And you look at that, the history of the club, and the players should know that there's pictures around, etc., and know that you know if you're good enough, if you work hard enough, you'll get you'll get your opportunity and. I think they can look at Johnny Williams and De Silva from the last cup, like season or so. That you know they've been given an opportunity, and you know it's they've taken it and they've and Dougie trusts them in the first team and they're in the first team squad and they're training with the first team all the time. So you know it's it's important that the players. I, I try to emphasise that you haven't got any time to waste. You know, work really hard, improve yourself as a player, ask the senior guys questions, watch the senior guys, take note of what they do in the matches and in training, how professional they are, and that's the. Mm-hmm. 
the benefit of having a really some good senior pros at the club or good professionals. And you know, I know that we've spun this season round a little bit at the moment, and Dougie's he's installed like lots of old values and. I say this to, to people who, you know, you don't see the club on a day-to-day basis. You boys probably will know because you go in there, but he's instilled values about what he feels, what the club's about and what football should be about and yep. just being good professionals and being good around the training ground and the, speaking correctly to people, you know, the, the the staff and, the you know, the catering staff and yes and please and thank you and they're little things, but honestly, there was a, I was speaking to some journalists the other day and they said there's a, you can tell the Manchester United players with the England team and you can tell the Southerners, there's a big difference with the manners and the politeness of the Manchester United team. And, and, and that, you know, you can't underestimate that, you know. You, you, you're, you're grooming young players to, to obviously to, to move forward with the club. And if you're playing for someone like Manchester United, you've got to act a certain way. You know, not everyone's perfect, we know that. But, you know, act a certain way, be responsible. You're representing this football team. And Dougie has instilled in a similar way, in a, on a smaller version, those values are core values for the football club to move forward. And, you know, it doesn't come across sometimes on the pitch but or in general, but what he's done at the training ground is, is turned it right around. And I see that and I know that when I go there. So, you know, full praise to Dougie for that. And now the results are coming and the attitude's good and the application's good and the fans are seeing that and they're responding really well. 20,000 for the, um, the, you know, the, fact, the, the kids for a quid. The other, the other, the other week was was brilliant. I was really happy that with Burnley, and um, yeah, you know, it, it's 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 amazing change from the Bristol. I would have to say I went to the Bristol City game, like mm. probably you guys, and yeah, it was it was a, it was a it was a, it was, a, was the lowest point for me. You know, it was like yeah. you need lows, don't you? you need lows, don't you, to to, to then <laughs> appreciate the highs, though. That's yeah. the thing. Listen, you don't, I don't think any of us needed that. I think we did because when we had our, our lowest lows, of being, we, we were saved, weren't we? We were saved by people with money. And that then what we've so, had to do now is save ourselves. The, the, the players have had to save themselves. And, and that's, the, that's, that's the thing, I think, which, would, which is really going to sort of put them into, in, in good stead for the rest of the season is that they now appreciate themselves, having been through getting a thumping where they really shouldn't have or when, when they didn't deserve to. We didn't deserve to lose the Watford game. No matter what, I was there for that game. We didn't deserve to, deserve yeah. to lose that. But, well, that could have but, been all the difference there, couldn't it? I mean, the, 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 two, minutes, two, two goals in the last two or three minutes. I couldn't believe it. I was doing the TV that day and I thought, wow, great, great result. You know, bang. Mm-hmm. Happy with that, 2-1, then like 2-2, 3-2, lost in the last few minutes. So, you know, those, those three extra points would have put us joint top right now, That's regardless of the, of the Bristol and the Borough game. But listen, the season's long. We're averaging two points a game. That's, that's, that's fantastic because that's promotional kind of, like, performance. And I said to Steve, I, I, I think I didn't I, – I saw the Sheffield result was a great one then. Apparently played really well at Charlton. Righty, mm. I saw Wrighty and he said, oh, they played really well, Bray. And then I saw the Forest game. And the Forest game, which everyone was there, we I th- we w- was a battering. We battered Forest, yeah. and and I fancied Forest after having seen them earlier in the season um, against Wigan um, in the, in the the Capital One Cup. I thought that they've got a good team; that they'll be there or thereabouts. So when we beat, when we drew against them, I thought, you know what, we've we've overruled them today. We should have won. I said to, I said to Steve and a couple of the others in the, in the I said, you know what, I like the balance of the team. I like the team. I like what he's done now, Dougie. And listen, Murray has equaled his tally for last year already this year yep. seven goals and I just thought we didn't serve him I didn't I don't think we did him justice last year I didn't think he got the service he required and, and to prove what a good player he is and I think he leads the line very well 
And so I'm only happy to see he's back in the goals and, and the team have benefited. And now all, all of a sudden we've got like is it six, seven wins and a, and a draw. It's it's really strong. It's, it's an amazing run. Uh, we basically, I'm just going to jump in there because Joe was going to start talking about Wilf Zaha and we were going to come back to the form. But since we're talking about it now, I, I just thought I'd sort of bring it a bit further forward. Um, a lot of the fans sort of pointed to the fact that at uh, the end of last season and perhaps the beginning of this season, a lot of them were saying that it's the defensive football that was doing us in and that, you know, this going out with the idea of not losing a football match rather than going out and winning it. And then they, they've kind of basically latched onto that there's been a change of philosophy and it's, it's, you know, we're going out and attacking teams and that's why we're winning games. Well, personally, I feel it's more about confidence, but I know, what do you think? Do you think there's been a, a change of philosophy there? I think there's been a slight change, yeah. Um, you know, obviously, having to be careful what I, what I, what I say and what I know from mm. other areas and that sort of thing, but I, I, think, you've, I think we've can see with this, this season especially after the Bristol game, apparently Borough was a better, you know, all-round team performance, even though we lost that, um, was it 2-1? That's right, yeah. 2-1, I can't remember. I think it was the yeah. Borough, Borough game after the Bristol. We lost 2-1, but it was a better performance. And then I think, you know, the, the, the old Palace way is, it's, we've been, a, I think we've always been a little bit gun-ho, haven't we? We've always kind of, we've always attacked, I felt, you know, and we've never been a team to, you know, to, to sit at home and say, well, we're going to stop people at home. We've always taken the game to the opposition and, yeah. I think the fans want to see that, you know, a more attacking style and and, and venture. And, you know, Blassie kind of one side, Wilfred on the other, you know, then we obviously, we, we haven't really seen the likes of Good Willie because you'd have to say because um, Murray's done well. Um, Abraham played, I think, did he play against Forrest? Um, Wilbraham, sorry, he played against Forrest. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Will, yeah, I, th- I think he played. Yeah, so we've... Um, it has been a little change. I think it's been a change in style, and I think that it's, we've benefited because I think we've scored, we, we've we've done well in the goal scoring returns. Whereas last year we never looked like I'd never thought we'd score four goals. You know, we, we always kept it looking to keep tight, etc. But now we've got right. players bursting forward, midfield players getting in the box, wide men getting in the box. We do look more dangerous. And as you know, I, my philosophy is eighty goals. I think guarantees your promotion. I think you score eighty goals, don't get promotion, you're unlucky. You look down the leagues, most people who get that kind of amount of goals, but I think Chrissy Powell pointed to 18 clean sheets, I think, when they got promotion, I think, um, yeah. short, short, I think. I think he said 18 clean sheets. So Dougie obviously wants the clean sheet, but I, you know the fans want the goals. But basically, I think the fans are happy to see the football, the style of football that we're playing right now. I think yeah. they see a confident team, competent team, fullbacks who get forward, who want to join in. Um, wide plays who can go or excite, excite us, go past with the ball. Jedinak's playing, I think, I think his most consistent level of football since he's, than I've seen him play since he joined the club. Mm. I like Moritz. Um, Dicker Choi's chipping in with goals, which he never thought he would do. And uh, yeah, so the balance of everything looks better. And I think the team are at the top of their confidence at the moment. It's, mm, it's good that we've got that confidence. And I think we've got, it's, it's not just about Wilf. I mean, last season, it was give the ball to Wilf. We can give the ball to Belassi. We can give the ball to, yeah. to Jedinak. And we've just got a lot of players where we we have got a lot of belief. And even when we went 2-0 behind against Burnley, the whole crowd around me was relaxed. It's all right, we'll still win this. And I've never yeah. known that at Palace. Never. Yeah. No, uh, you know, when I was, I, was, I, was, I was sitting with Steve and, and, I, and I just said, well, we can win this. I said, we have enough to win this. And you can look at the team and know a little spell, a 15, 20-minute spell could get ourselves back in the game, get a goal, and it can happen. You know, and you, you, you'd have to say that 
at this moment in time, Wilfred's at the top of his game. Um, regardless if two players are on him or not, it's very difficult to stop him. Um, he's confident, he's, he's fit. Um, and, and, you know, he, he just does things other players can't do. And obviously, the way that Delaney took that goal as well was like a striker. And, you know, Murray chipping in, Wilfred with back-to-back braces. Yeah, you feel that, you know, Burnley expect to be... I expect them to. I expected them to be a lot higher last season, and and more so this. Obviously, they've had big changes now. Wolves just coming down. Expect them to be involved. We beat them. Bolton yeah. just come down. Expect them to be involved. We beat them. And Cardiff missed out last year, obviously in the playoffs, and we've we've um, we beat them. So we've, I think we've beat three teams, you know, in a row who I expect to be in the playoffs or thereabouts. So yeah, that should give the team more confidence moving forward. And you know. I, um, you know, Dougie is the kind of person not going to let the team get carried away and start making mm. stupid statements. But it is from the from the moment from the coming out of administration and the boys buying the club, and this is the best period now. This period right now is where the the, the squad, the balance of the squad, where we sit now, night and the football we're playing, it's the best period since we've had the problems. It will be interesting to see how we react if we do get a defeat. And oh, always. We bounce back Listen, from that. It's going to be very difficult to go to the, any team, go through the season without getting defeat. You get a defeat against the teams you least likely, at least least think likely. You know, and someone at the bottom, whatever. That's typical you know, Palace. Mill, Millwall and blooming Barnsley next. You know, and I know what the mm. the Palace fans will go. Here we go. Millwall <laughs> go anyway, and then Barnsley. They're struggling. They'll probably beat us. But no, let's look at it positively and say, you know yeah. what, Millwall thinks a derby. That's you know can go anyway. Can go anyway. Um, hopefully we're we're confident and you know they'll 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 feel that that you know they're coming up against a team you know at the top of their game and Barnsley you know we've got to do the same against them you know if it's a one nil it's scrappy one nil and keep the whole thing moving along so just it's- just looking at the squad of players you know obviously I thought losing like Sean Scannell um, we lost um, Darren Ambrose and we lost Gardner. They all went. I thought, cool. They're quite, you know, strong players. And the next thing you know, Bosch, you know, Delaney, I think, has done excellent, you know. And um, who else? Maritz, I kind of like when he's come in. And we've signed Dabby, Danny Gabidon as well, haven't we? So, listen, we just got strikers. We've got like a lot in midfield. And we've got wide men who can run with the ball with pace. Um, you know, we've got defensively, we've done quite well as well. Um, and Julian's Julian, you know, I think he's the most consistent goalkeeper we've had for a long time at the, go- at the, at the club since probably Nigel. So, yeah, looking good, I would say. Oh, if we go back to back to Wilf, we did touch on him earlier. I mean, when you when people now in the media are, are sort of mentioning Crystal Palace, it's mainly because of Wilf and what he's doing. Uh, I mean, we, we've seen it for, for the last couple of years, what he can yeah. do. I mean, and he is literally, I think he's only going to get better, but... Um, when it comes to the likes of, of Raheem Sterling and Oxide Chamberlain, do, do you think um, that had he moved to a, a, a bigger club that he may be a, a tad further on in his career? Or do you think this is, this is the way to go? He's obviously been advised to stay because he only signed a new five-year deal last year. Do you think he's been you know, uh, advised for the better to stay at Palace? see out another few years, see what we do as a club first, whether we actually get to the promised land with him and then he can stay and we will be able to afford to pay him the wages that he will be offered very soon or what it sounds like he's being offered. Um, But, you know, he seems to be the hottest property in uh, almost in in English football at the moment. Um, 
Son's, like I said before, everyone's talking about him, and I'm, I don't say it blase-wise, but the Palace fans have seen him. You've see, you, what you've seen is the development, the development of a young man, a young player, and who wants to do well. And we've seen it right before our eyes. He's coming into, into the team in a difficult, at difficult times. He's getting better. He learns, you know, can Dougie teach him to be a better player? The coaching staff, all the coaching staff can help him. But he learns to become a better player on the field of play by making the right decisions, by knowing that I can't get past these two guys in front. What I'm going to do is release it to a midfield player and then somebody should be free. Maybe get it into Glenn and I'll go and try and get it off Glenn. When to take people on, when to pass it, when to dribble, when to shoot. All those things you develop and you get better all the time. And we've seen it happening before our eyes. Now, everyone's talking about him. You know, there was talk of all the top clubs have been watching him. If you've got a scouting system, you're in the Premier League, Wilfred Zaha will be on your list. Now, some teams will probably say, do you know what? We can't afford him now. Because if they're talking about the figures, eight to eight, 10, 12 million pounds, you know, you know that half the Premier there's teams in the Premier League not playing, paying that money. You know, Southampton, to their, to their credit, have paid like 12 million pounds um, for, I can't think of his name now, this, the, um, the striker. But, you know, will they buy Wilfred Zaha? No, probably they've spent their money now, you know, but... You know, I know that you know Stoke City inquired about him. I'm sure Liverpool and Arsenal, and it, 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 he's developing. So what what can you say about him? Hopefully, he will listen to the advice of the good people, some good people around him, from the management, from the staff at the clubs, and, and probably some of the players will say, Do "You know what? Just stay where you are at the moment. You're playing every week because you, you're going to go to one of the big clubs, and maybe you, you know you're going to be benched, and you're going to come on and bench, come on." At the moment, you're playing every week and you're benefiting from it. You're causing a stir. No need to commit yourself to anything. You've just signed a big deal at Palace, a long deal, as I say. Um, he's enjoying his football and he's doing it on, on stage. He's got great backing. The fans love him. Um, and, there's, you know, and at this stage in his career, he's 19 years old. He, yeah. You'd have to say he's better than Ian Wright. And I don't say that lightly because I know Ian really well. I've worked hard. I've worked with Ian. And... At 19 years old, Ian was playing Sunday morning, Sunday morning and Saturday morning football, yeah. and Watford's playing in the Championship. And I in played the- against him. Well, there you go. So at 19, <laughs> he wasn't where Watford is. So Watford have to say, by by virtue of where he is right now in his career, is better than Ian at his stage because he's got the platform to show that in the league. Ian didn't have that. He had the platform at 21. I think what, um, what um, helps Wilf is the fact that he, he does seem to be quite humble. Is is he 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 shows his showboats a bit on the pitch, but <laughs> but off the pitch he just seems to be really yeah. grounded, and yeah. I think that's going to stand him in good stead. Yeah, I think I've, I've, I'm you know I'm I, I'm, sh- I'm sure almost you know he's, he's I think he's a churchgoer, isn't he? And you know he is he is humble and he's quiet, and you know I. I I see him a little bit and just wish him well and say keep doing what you're doing encourage him to keep get on the score sheet get on the score sheet um, and just he learns all the time he wants to learn and listen he, he has more ability you know he, than the, probably the most than he's showing in, in games that the guys in training will probably say to you, you know somebody does some amazing stuff in training but he's learning he's going the right way he's, doing, he's going the right way about it and I think that like you said the humbleness is kind of one of those things that you know the player's his, his time will come when you know he'll have more to say, more to say on the training ground, more to say on the pitch or on, at half time, and that's the development of the player. You you get more, you gain more knowledge, and you just you know you have more to say. But listen, you look at you look at Lionel Messi, you, you can tell he's humble as well. You look at Cristiano Ronaldo, he isn't humble, you know. So it, 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 I don't think it, 
it does it really matter? It's nice if they are. I mean, they appreciate all that's going on around them. They've good family around them or good friends giving them advice. You know, you know, doesn't like he's a drinker. Doesn't like he's a big clubber. You know, and um, yeah, he's he's enjoying himself. He's he's talked um, of, of feeling homesick when he's on under twenty one duty, and that you know how he, he feels secure and sort of loved at Palace. And there's all this talk of this inevitable move and it's going to happen and all this sort of stuff that you get in the media. But I kind of think that that, that ignores what's best for Wilf. Um, and and yeah, it's kind of like well. It, you know, you know, everyone's got a different personality, and he just does not strike me as the sort of guy who's who's going to benefit. He, he, like he, he gets up like a head of steam, if you like, you know, by playing every week. And if he when he has a, when he has a little rest, it seems to take him three or four games to get back up to that level. So I think oh, he's right where he should be. He's nineteen. He's nineteen. We expect so much from them. Listen, some some people develop players develop at later stages and later ages, and at the moment he's he, he is still discovering everything, and he's still you know perfecting his craft and it'll be a long time before he gets to his absolute peak you know he's got so much more to come and he'll just you know he'll improve with his left foot he'll improve his heading um you know and just with the ball at his feet he's 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 magical at times you know and he does those things that other players can't do that's what makes him special but you know let's not delude ourselves here money talks and somebody comes in with a big offer for Wilfred and the club have to be sensible and say right well we can fund the the you know the academy with this there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And we can get some more money into the system. We can go and re- try and replace him with somebody else. Not the same as him because you, you otherwise you're going to spend the same money. Yeah. But uh, you know we have to be realistic that at some stage he might say to the to Dougie, I I hopefully it's not this season. He might say, do you know what? In January, I want to give myself a chance at the Premier League club. And Dougie will say, give yourself a time, stay here. Let's see if we can get promotion at the end of the season. If we haven't got promotion, we'll v- review it then. And I promise you, you know, I'll, I'll allow you to speak to clubs. That might be one of those things. Smaller. Sorry, team, Mark. On that on that point, you players. Smaller clubs can't hold on to players because yeah. the money talks. The, the agents talk to the players. The players start to know that they can earn forty, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand pounds a week. That's a huge amount of money for them to not sign for a club for. Very few players, if you put that money before them, will say, Do "You know what? I'm better off where I am. I'll stay where I am because of my career." They will make that move. Should Sean Wright Phillips have, have, have gone to to Chelsea, you know, from Man City, and then he went back, and then he's you know, QPR. He, he did it. He made that move because you believe if that club come for you, you're good enough to play. So that's why they make the move. If Moses did the right thing, I think, actually going to Wigan and now is it Chelsea is, is impressive. Because the, the, the club was struggling for money. We had to sell him, yeah. We had to sell him. But I understood that. He knew. So that was a different scenario because I said, having seen Victor play and train, and I thought he was better than Wigan. And I don't, I, you know, I don't 
hide that. And I said at the time, I thought he was better than Wigan. And I am absolutely delighted that he's gone to Chelsea because I think he'll, he could be a force for Chelsea because he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a team player. He's, he's got individual skill. He's not a greedy player. He, I think he gets his pleasure out of setting people up. But I think he's grown by playing in that team and the, the 4-3-3 or something at Wigan. And he, he's a clever player. You know, I think he'll do well at Chelsea. Yeah, it's good to see one of our old players actually playing for the top teams. Yeah. Really good. I think it's it shows. of the system because, you know, they, like you say, you, you, you watch these kids come through the system. I you know, obviously, the first year I joined, you, you got, like, Johnny Williams and that and, and De Silva they, coming through and, and you watch them, they turn full-time and then they get a little break in the first team and then they're out again. And De Silva, had a, I think, I was good slatters. He had a problem, you know, with his, with his growing, his bones growing and everything so That's right. I think he's I think he's back to fitness now and Johnny came off the other week he was injured but listen there are the ups and downs of the football career but as, you know as long as they're making the right moves and I think Reese Alvesani got I think he's got upgraded into the under 17s I, mm. think, I think yeah he, yes yeah yeah you're right yeah he yeah, was tweeting so, about it the other day yeah yeah that, that's good for us he, you know the, I was standing the other morning watching him watching the, the, the academy kids playing and just saying, what should he have done there? What do you think he should have done there? What you know, and he's giving the right answers. You know, the answer all the time. Oh, he should have gone back to the keeper. Should have gone there. Should have gone there. And you're just seeing if they see what what should what the players should be doing in possession. And um, yeah, I remember sitting in the stand with Scotty Parker at, at at Charlton and asking him similar things. What do you think he should have done? Where should he have gone? What happened there? What went wrong? What should have happened? And they give you all these answers because they see the picture. And next thing you know, he's you know off he goes and he playing for England. So. Yeah, the development of the players are important. At, at Palace, we put a lot of emphasis on the, the youth system and, you know, the coaches work hard and the scouts are out there trying to find players all the time. And I had a guy send me a message on Facebook and saying that he's got a kid who scores lots of goals and he really thinks he's missed, he, he slipped through the net and could he, could he have someone to talk to? So I put him in touch with Bernie, the scout. Bernie's going to have a look and see what he thinks because I think his age was a little bit older than kind of what, what, what they'd like to bring in. But what they're doing is saying is, listen, we open our arms up and say, let's have. A, if if he's coming highly recommended, and someone can vouch, let's have a look at him because I, I'm sure that Dougie, like everyone else, thinks that there are a few nuggets who've dropped through into the system into non-league, and they can come back and go again. Mm. No, I'm sorry, absolutely, yeah. Um, so last little bit on Wilf, if you like. Um, one of the things that has been talked about on sort of the Palace message boards lately. Um, has been the, the sort of when you see someone like Raheem Sterling going into the the England squad, for example. Um, yeah. Oxlade Chamberlain to a lesser extent because he you know he's gone to Arsenal and he's played quite a lot of first team football. Yeah. But Sterling's someone who he's clearly a talented lad, clearly got a hell of a lot of talent. Um, but realistically, is there a case to say if Wilf had had moved on sooner, had gone to an Arsenal or a Liverpool and maybe made a few appearances off the bench and what have you, although it might have been not as good for his development, do you think that recognition that he's sort of getting now, finally, would have would have come any sooner? I think it's hypothetical, isn't it? But but mm-hmm. me, personally, I mean, against San Marino, I think it was an ideal opportunity to bring a, a couple of players in, like Wilfred, and, you know... Let him train with the squad. He could have gone on the bench. Raheem Sterling, I think from QPR. I'm sure that he, I think I'm sure I'm, I'm right in saying he started he off at QPR, and I think I think Liverpool bought him because um, yeah. I think Absolutely. he knows a lot of our boys and everything. So Raheem Sterling was doing really well, but you'd have to say that someone like Thomas Ince 
was it mm. was it Liverpool? And I think Paul didn't think he was going to get anywhere because of the people before him, and you know, so wanting him to come out the, the Liverpool system and go and play league football, go and play. Um, so he went and played, and he's at Blackpool now. He's been talked about very similar to Wilfred in the same light. Imagine him on the left and Wilfred on the right for England against yeah. San Marino. Didn't doesn't really matter. We were going to win that game, but it would have been an ideal opportunity to get some of the players in. Fringe players who you think, let's have a good look at them in training. Let's see what they can do. Bring them off the bench or whatever. Give them a chance. Yeah, it would have been a great opportunity for Wilf. I don't think it's, yeah. it's hindered him getting into the England setup, being at Crystal Palace. I don't think Perhaps. that's one, one bit at all. And Perhaps. Um, you know, sorry, Wilf Mark. was one of those who didn't, didn't go on loan. I don't, if I, am I right in saying Wilfred's never been, he hasn't been out on loan? No, he hasn't. No, no. Okay, so we, we, we see the, the big benchmark of players doing well who we send out on loan. We haven't needed to send Wilfred out on loan because he's been in the he's been in the squad in the team from an early age, and I think I think Southampton another one who never sent Oxlade Chamberlain on loan. Theo Walcott never went on loan. Um, Lalana hasn't been on loan, and I think it's Prowse is the young kid Prowse. Yeah, Ward Prowse. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to to Leslie, and he was saying, "Listen, you don't have to send everyone out on loan, um, but you can get the recognition within the club that you think you're good enough and making the progress to move through." So. You know, would Wilfred have been in the England squad if he'd been a bigger club? Probably. Probably, because they see that as playing under pressure week in and week out, and that's a measure of you, of you as a footballer. If you play at Manchester United and you play at, at Palace, they'll probably they'll choose the player from Manchester United because he can, he, they know he can play under pressure. He's playing under 60,000, 70,000 people every other week, so that's why they would take the player from the, from the bigger club. Okay. I see that angle, yeah. Sorry, sorry. sorry Mark. You talk about um, the San Marino game. I think didn't they need Wilf and, and Sterling and, and Thomas for the under twenty ones? And they seem to be kind of shackled playing for them. They didn't. I was I was watching the game. They they didn't seem to be as. I don't know. As no, but Serbia, one of the teams who were, who never were under twenty one. They were they never lost a game in in qualification. I think there's fifty two team fifty two countries, and there was five countries who didn't lose a game in the under twenty ones. And don't forget, there's only eight teams go to the finals. It's in Israel. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's, it's really tough to qualify. Because you can win your group, like Germany scored 39 goals in qualifying. And did, the, the, they won nine games and drew the last game four all. And they had a struggle against Switzerland. They drew one all. Now, they go to Germany on Tuesday or something and play the second leg. So, you know, they obviously... Excuse me. They go to Switzerland and play the second leg, so that's obviously going to be a toughie for them. So same with England. You can't make any mistakes, you know. And did they play Serbia? Was it Serbia? I think it was. Yeah. Serbia. And, yeah. and and Serbia haven't lost a game, so they, they're a tough team. And he would want the best players there, and it wouldn't be an, an open and flowing game where Wilf could be able to show all his skills and everything. It, you know, they they know about Wilfred because obviously they, they get videos and DVDs and and they'd watch the players. So. Um, I didn't see. I didn't see the game myself, personally, because I was watching the other one. Mm. No, I think I think Nick's quite right to observe it. It's something again following it on on the message boards at the same time. People were just talking about Wilf was basically he's, he does something that, that so few English players do, and he can take on yeah. a player and beat a player, and it just doesn't yeah. happen in the England side. And it was almost as if that that's what the team were playing to. They were trying to knock the ball into channels and. Again, they were they were doing the same similar thing with Sterling, and uh, but a lot of the, basically a lot of the football was played on whatever side Wilf was on. It was played on the opposite side. It's very frustrating as a biased Palace supporting no, person trying to watch it. But know, it's very got, very frustrating. Yeah, but you know, it, it's a club. It, it, with England, it's very 
difficult because you go there and you know everybody wants the ball and everybody wants to show what they can do. And it's very hard, very hard to harness that team ethic where you know lend the ball, get it back, pass, let it back. People want to show what they can do and you know impress. And you, what you need to do is build that team ethic and the, the spirit. And it's, if you if you get four different players come in and then another two different players come in and another four different players come in another time, it is difficult. So that's why they they get a good understanding, get to know each other, get roommates, teammates. You know, that's where they, they're hoping that they'll get a better understanding within the group. But sometimes you have two or three injuries and other players come in. It's not like at your club where you know these players inside out. And sometimes people thrive when they go away with England. Sometimes people take take their time. But, you know, England, I think England, one the, they, they, they need to snap Wilfred up because Wilfred's eligible for the Ivory Coast. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think if the Ivory Coast come and say to him, we're going to give you a game in a friendly now and or play you, and like the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers took place today, I think the game was abandoned, actually, with Senegal. Right. But, um, you know, if they come and knock on Wilfred's door, and he, he, he might say, do you know what, I'll, I'll take this, because it's on offer now, and, you know, he, they've got a, you know, a, a good team, the, the Ivory Coast, uh, at the moment. So, you never know. So, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm wanting England to kind of, kind of make some assurances that, you know, if he continues his progress, he'll be involved. And, well, you obviously, know, um, Vic Victor's with Nigeria now scored a couple the yeah, other day, so didn't they? Missed, they? So. See, they've, they, they've missed one with Victor, yeah. yeah. Where do, do these players don't think, oh, do you know what, I'm at Palace, I'm not going to get an opportunity, or I'm at a smaller club in the Premier League, I might as well go and play for Nigeria, I might as well go play for the Ivory Coast or Senegal or whoever. You know, you want you want the talent to come through because, like we said, the things that Victor, I've seen Oxlade Chamberlain, he's very skillful, very composed, neat and tidy. You know, he's added a little bit more to his game. and He's probably pl he's playing at a higher level. He's playing in the Champions League, for crying out loud. But, you know, I, I think Victor would look at um, Oxlade-Chamberlain and say, I don't think he can do anything I can do. I can't no. do. You know? So yeah. that's what you have to do. You measure yourself against other players. And it, it, he must look around now. He watches the TV. I know he watches all the football because I see him tweet about it all the time. And, you know, the, you learn off watching the better players and say, well, I can do that. I can do that. And then you go and prove it. Do you, do you okay. think um, England are missing a trick, though, by not looking at players from the lower well, divisions? Because it's a, sure something that Joe's gone on about is, you know, Palace being seen as un, an unfashionable club. We'll, we'll, no, you know, uh, you know, we've got what? less chance of getting England players. No, do, you know, do you know what? I don't think you can say that. Um, Nigel Martin, Wrighty, Andy Gray, Jeff, Solarco. That was a long I'm, time ago, though, Mark. Yeah but, uh, yeah, but hold on a minute. You're getting, a long time ago, the same thing was said. We're at an unfashionable club, a unfashionable club. We're playing long ball. Five people from that team played for England. We that, were in the top division then. That's a, that's a credit. Oh, not you know, we finished third, top. didn't we? That kind of around that time. Yeah. About that era, that era. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you finish third; you're still an unfashionable club. Mm. You know, we've seen as Crystal Palace, our oh, yo-yo club, can't survive in the top flight. That you know, that's the kind of thing what people will say. Yeah. So, you know, but listen, if you're good, and what we're hoping now is the, the, the top level of talent, can, they can say, do you know what? He can play in this team. He can play in that team. Well, Victor Moses left and he went to play for Wigan for a, a year and a bit, 18 months. Then he's at, now he's at Chelsea, the champions of Europe. So he's obviously been groomed well. He's got good qualities about him. And that's a credit to our youth system that he's, you know, he's instilled good qualities in him and good work ethic and touch and awareness. So, you know, what we're hoping is that it won't be a... It won't won't work against you if you're if you're Wilfred or if you're any of the younger boys. You know, I'm sure Johnny's going to go on to play for Wales. So yeah, we're like I said before. If there's two players and one plays for a smaller club, one plays for a big club, 
the, the player who plays for the big club can play under pressure week in and week out. They, they'll know that from, from, from being playing for, at the big club. But, mm. but, you know, what it doesn't do, it shouldn't deter from Wilfred being involved if they think he's good enough. But he should be on the Richter scale. He should be on their, on their, on their radar, I should say, excuse me. He, mm. he, you know, he's a talent. Everyone's talking about him. I'm sure they're talking about him, you know, is it, um, it's Stuart Pearce who's in charge. So Blakey had him at, um, at the under-19s, I think. And yeah. like you know, so Pearce's got him now. And can say he will put a yes or no. I think they have to mark on a, a scale what the, at the end of the games or whatever. Do you think this player could play at another level, whatever? Yes or no, whatever it is. I think that's what they have to do. So um, you know, I'm, listen. There's loads of people who can do similar stuff. There's very few people who can do something really different. And Wilfred has that ability to do that something different. And we know it because we see it week in and week out. The away fans see it every once a season. Yeah. And, you know, the TV, it's there for everyone to see when he does well and he, he scores the goals. But it's it's brilliant to see. It's fantastic to see somebody go past players with the ball at his feet, excite the crowd, draw fouls, get penalties, score goals. I mean, the goals against Burnley, I thought I thought probably last year he might not have finished those. His touch was great. He cut across the defender well. He finished it well. And he just showed how quick he was and... With the ball at your feet, as you know, it's harder to run fast, you know, because you got to, the touch has to be not right, not too far in front, not too not too close to you, otherwise you you're missing your steps to, to to accelerate away from players, and everything was right about that. Mm, that's fair. Uh, I could probably genuinely talk about Will all day. I think he's the one of those players that just he makes it, you know, worth the admission price on its own, and oh, yeah, we just yeah. haven't seen haven't seen the like of him for for a long time, and exactly. I really hope we get him as long as. As long as humanly possible. But um, just before we get to some listener questions, I think Joe's got one last sort of, um, well, sort of comparative question, if you like. Gel? Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's early days, um, but people are saying that you know that this is one of the best Palace squads to come along since probably the team in the eighties. And I've I've said myself, I think probably about every ten years we get a team. In my own experience, following Palace for thirty odd years, I've seen three really good teams, and. This excites me more yep. than more than ever. It really does because we seem to have a we we don't seem to be relying on sort of one or t- you know one or two yep. players anymore. We've got five, six, seven players that that our goals will come from everywhere. Um, That's what you're how, hoping. How do you feel about that? No, but I said that, you know virtually the start of the show that I feel the balance of the teams, the squad, the balance of the squad is right. You know, we've got players to come in. You know, you're thinking what we've had a poor start, then we've picked up really well. You know, Paddy hasn't been playing. Um, we've got other, we've got other players. I think Delaney's been brilliant. I really do. I can't say how impressed I've been with him. Moxie's been impressive. I like him. Ramage when he's filled in as well. You know, he lacks you know genuine pace and all that sort of thing. But good, good, solid defender. Um, we've had the the blended midfielder Garvin. As I said before, Jedinak's played really well. Um, Jonathan Williams is it flitted in and out. Moritz, I like uh, from what I've seen of him. Um, Dicker Choi, four goals. Is that four goals? One, two. Uh, yeah, I think it's four. Yeah, I think it's, I think he's got three or four goals. Um, yeah, Darcy Blake's it's done all right. He's it, it's just a real balance to the team, the left and right side. And said before, Balassi, I quite like. You know. It's, little bit frustrating because they they're young and they just sometimes overdo it with the ball instead of laying it off but you, you listen there's no perfect team and at this level they, they they're improving they they trust each other um you know goodwill we've yet to see anything of 
I don't think that's anything that's not his fault. Easter we've seen a little bit of, and, and listen, we just yeah, we've. I think I just think it's it's looking really good. I like the the balance of the squad, especially having let the players go who Dougie let go. Um, you know, and uh, it's just really good to see the. I am genuinely, without going over the top at the moment, excited about this season because it could be one where we could get we get in the top six, we stay there. And I think, you know, this season, I know that at the start of the season, we're one of the favourites to go down. And having seen the team at Bristol, I was really, <laughs> I was really worried that, you know, it's going to be a scramble all season being at the bottom and it's not where we want to be having to come out of administration like Dougie kind of stabilised everything and then we wanted to try and move forward. And it isn't easy, you know, the boys have done ever so well, you know, the owners have done ever so well putting the money in and, and, and getting the club to where it's on, a, you know, a level keel, uh, on, on an even keel. And it, right now, you just feel that we've just, we've gone up at a couple of notches. Yeah. And I think the fans sense it and I think the players sense it that at this moment in time, I know there's only 10 games gone. Is it 10 or 11? 10 or 11 but... We're we're thereabouts. We we're, there's a feel for the club, for the team, and this moment in time, I would say it's the most exciting I've seen for a long time. That I my, I genuinely feel that. Not just I wouldn't say if I didn't feel it. I genuinely feel that Dougie's got he's got the balance right in the squad, and he's got a lot of players around who can come in and carry the season if there's a, a couple of injuries. Whereas you always look at the bench and think, you know, have we got a strong enough bench if need be? You know, you're looking at you know around Christmas time. Knocks, injuries, suspensions. There's people to come in that team, and when, as you know, when teams are doing well, players can play out of position and fill in and and do really well, and the whole thing keeps ticking along. So, uh, yeah, I'd say that genuinely, really enthusiastic about this season and and excited. Fantastic. Okay, um, some listener stuff now. Just a uh, nice, quick few questions, and then uh, we'll let you go. Um, <laughs> First one, funnily enough, is from Simon Osborne, ex Palace player. Yeah, he says, um, he says, ask him how fussy he was about his boots. And he says, you're a top, <laughs> top pro, a great role, role model. Hashtag I know, legend. I, I, I follow Ozzy on um, on Twitter. He's a good lad. You know, another product of the youth, of the youth system as well. You know, come through and had a good career and a little, very fussy about my boots. Always very fussy. Um, but Listen, in the old days, as you know, the kids used to do the jobs and you, you give them a couple of quid at Christmas and all that sort of thing. <laughs> Is it the right thing or not? It's, it's one of those things where I think the old school boys will say, you know what, it teaches them good values. John Salaka would sweep the, the, the stuff under the carpet. Gareth Southgate wouldn't. Gareth Southgate would sweep it up, put it in the bin. As it used to be, John would just try and finish it off quickly. You learn about characters. Because you'd say to John, do you know what, John, in a game, you'd let us down. Because you'll do, you'll, you'll cut corners. Southie won't. So <laughs> you know, is yeah. that anything to do with playing football? Probably not. But <laughs> I, li- I, I like the fact that in the old days the boys did it. it. It built a bit of character. We had a banter with them and all that sort of thing. But it, I like my boots properly clean. So I'm going out to do a job on a Saturday. I want them shining. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's obviously stuck in Simon's mind there. So, um, so I think the next one's for you, Joe. If you go. Uh, yeah, Jasper CPFC from the BBS. Uh, he's asked our Mark's relationship with Marco Gabbiadini during his short spell at Celeste. How was it? Um, it do you know, did, did, did you have to actively change your game to help him? Well, no. Do you know what? Marco was here for three months. Uh, you know, I, I might be wrong. I'm sure it was three months. It was a short period because Steve didn't think the chemistry was right between Marco and the squad. Marco came in. He was really unlucky. 
he came in to follow Ian. And, and as you know that, you know, Ian, myself, we combined and everything. What I said to Mark was, you ha when I jump up to Flick, you've got to go. And he said he wasn't used to doing that that many runs because, as, as you know, we, we played a direct style and you had to be fit. Marco yeah. didn't have a level of fitness. His fitness wasn't at our level. So he was trying to adjust to that style of game. Um, I, don't, I, I just, it was just a wrong, it was just a wrong move. Wrong for the player, wrong for the management. You know, Steve got it wrong and put, held his hand up and let Marco go. I think to go to Sunderland, Derby. Yeah, well. We got him from Sunderland. He went, yeah, to Derby. I yeah, well, yeah. So, it, it, listen, I, I didn't have to change my style. He needed to, ch he needed to adapt to change how the team played. And um, you know, there was a couple of arguments in half time at one stage. And well, hey, that, that was that was the point that, that Harry Olmsdale said that did the team get right. on with Marco because it, it, people certain people seem to get the impression that they didn't. Um, that, that, that's a question from someone again on the BBS. So, yeah. so that's oh. a fan question. Oh, oh um, you're probably right. Yeah, probably there wasn't wasn't enough of the team who got on with him. I think I did something in the standard one time when I said, just give him a chance. It's not easy following him. Give him a chance. And he came in the next day and he said, I saw what you put in the paper, thanks. And I said, hey, you've got to help yourself. You've got to help yourself and not argue with the players. Because I think he came in on the defensive, like, I'm a good player. So, listen, I'm, I'm not Ian Wright, but I'm a good player. And, and, and as you know, you have to win the, the players over first, then the fans, you know, and... They want the players to back you, but he might see it as he came in and no one really helped him or something. But in the end, Steve could see that it wasn't quite right in training and there was a few arguments and that sort of thing. So, yeah, the chemistry wasn't good. Um, but football's football, you know that. Marco moved on, he's had a good career and when you see him now, you just always have a bit of a laugh and a joke. So, hey-ho. You um. You mentioned that when you were playing, it was a bit long ball, but I was watching the season review of the season we finished third, and it wasn't so, I don't think. We were just really quick on the break. We, we, had, we had, listen, there was a few, a few concrete rules of, you know, where to play and when to play, but in the last third, Steve gave everyone licence to do what they want. Solarco had licence, Wrighty had licence, but in the middle third, it was, you had to hold that ball, especially for me, hold the ball, or the ball was just turned around the corner. So if, if Andy Gray had the, the throw in, throw it to Jeff, Jeff would just hook it round the corner. Now, we'd know that was happening. So we'd just start off straight away and spin. Um, set pieces we worked tirelessly on. You know, we, we, we did. Yeah. I mean, Thorny, you know, he couldn't sprint, couldn't tackle, couldn't jump. But he's the most, <laughs> the most effective defenders we've ever had. He was, he was the he best organiser, the best <laughs> um, in, you know, in that near post touch, he was, he was he was brilliant at it, you know. So, yeah, we just had um, we worked hard on our set pieces, and we had a mixture of everything, didn't we? But what we had is we had a lot of energy, and we had a lot, you know, a pace up front. And if you you know add that to like how hard the defence worked, um, and we had a good strong midfield. So yeah, we that that team that ninety one team was a you know a really strong team. I mean, regardless of. You, a Palace team won't finish in the top three now, not, not in my lifetime, I don't think, because just look at the money. We won't, we won't be done. You can, you've got bio, you, you know, you, it costs millions to get in that top four now. 67, yeah. 80 million at least, and, and sometimes you're not guaranteed to get in. We spend that much. So, you know, I think it's a completely different ball game now from when we were playing. Talking about finishing in the top three, we've got a question from Dan in Southport saying that you know we were cruelly denied a European place after that third place finish how do you think we'd have got on in the UEFA Cup and he says thanks for the goals and the memories 
listen, I was talking to Steve Parrish about this the other, and I said I thought we were banned at the time, and he said no, that that was the year we came back and they lifted the ban on Liverpool, so they got in. I think I, I can't remember. I thought the English teams were banned from Europe. Um, no, yeah, it was yeah, it was yeah, it was it was that one year. That, I mean, obviously, you you would think finishing third, you'd get into Europe anyway. But it was just just so happened we would have got into Europe if Liverpool would remain banned. But they lifted the ban. They lifted so. the ban. That was it. Yeah, so they got in. So we, we typical palace. It is. It's absolutely. Yeah, it just sums us up. <laughs> get get Those the conspiracy call. theories abound, wasn't it? Oh, listen, got <laughs> the, the, the TV final. audience. Seven minutes before the end, Mark Hughes ruins that. Lost the lost the replay, and then next season we finished third and don't get into into Europe. So, yeah. in, so yeah. only at Palace. Um, yeah. you never you never know. You've seen teams. You saw Fulham get into the Europa League, go all the way to the final. Who knows what could have happened? But listen, the, the style we played wouldn't have lent itself to playing in Europe. You know that we give the, we used to give the ball away too much. We used to turn it over. But you never know. We can dream. Okay, well we've got um, one more question each for you. Although my one is is two because Bubs is quite sneaky. It's a question from Bubs who's from Homestyle.net, and um, his first question part of the question is: uh, What was your very first impression of Ian Wright when you first met him? Ian, um, he, um, Steve told me. I mean, it's a it's a known known story. I've, I've said it before that I met Steve on the motorway with permission from 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 Leicester and. He just said to me, listen, I've got a kid from non-league, he's the most enthusiastic kid I've ever seen. He he needs help on the pitch and we can't give him that. We can only help him in training. He's he's a non-league player playing in the league and he's got to learn all the craft and all the, you know, and you can help him. Um, you know, his name's right, your name's bright. Who knows? If you hit it off, the press will have a field day. And, and they were kind of, that was Steve's words. <laughs> when I first came down and we used to train at the old Mitchum training ground and it was, it, I mean... Premier League players would not train there now. It um, was full of mud. The balls were heavy because they were soaking and the leather had come off them. And that's where we used to train. And Wright used to come off that pitch filthy. And I used to say to him, every time you have a shot, you fall over. Every time you, you, know, you, you miscontrol, you fall over. You're always, you're always lying on the floor all the time. Look at, look at my kit and look at me. And, and look at and look at you. you know, you're filthy. You've got, your balance is more important. You've got to stay on your feet all the time. And then he worked really hard at doing that. If he had a shot, he'd, he'd fall over after having the shot. I don't know why. Just that, you know, he was he was he was a Parks player playing in the league. So yeah. Um, yeah. So my first impression was that he's got unbelievable pace and enthusiasm and skill, but he can't put the whole thing together. You know, for forty minutes or for forty-five minutes. Never mind ninety. And. <laughs> Gradually, he worked hard on his game and improved, and we were watching clubs and teams, and yeah, he just he just improved himself so much, and it was all down to his his own desire. So, at first, I saw what Steve was saying about him. He was, his enthusiasm and everything, he was infectious, and his skill was unbelievable, his overhead kicks and everything, but it was all kind of like Roy the Rover stuff, you know, be shooting from everywhere. But yeah, he, as he got so much better, and he was yeah. great to work with, yeah. Fantastic. Um, the second part of the, the question was um, first to obviously the Liverpool uh, semi-final win, uh, which was pretty much the start of my Palace supporting as well. Um, and uh, he says, um, "What were the, obviously what were the scenes like in the change room?" But more importantly, did did Coppel join in the celebrations with you, Steve? Listen, oh, <laughs> inside he was he was it was um, even now like hearing the question and thinking back, it was. You know, depends how old you were as a Palace fan. Then it was it was a magical moment. It really was because 
early in the season we'd been hammered 9-0 yeah. Every it was the first year that, that the FA Cup semi-finals were being screened live and so that means we were going all around the world and and everybody thought we were going to get hammered and Steve you know we took us away to Birmingham we stayed in this place called the New Hall it was a beautiful hotel and Pavarotti um, was staying in there and you know it was all it was honestly it was one of these unbelievable occasions and we worked on the the day before the game about what we would do the set pieces and we we're going to contain Liverpool and they would only play the same one way try and football the way all the time and we were going to nick it and get free kicks and set pieces so it was all that sort of thing but listen you know, we went 1-0 down, then we, we pulled it back and we went on to, you know, Pards got the winner. And I've got to say to you, it's very difficult to explain. That was the semi-final. So, having lost two finals, you know, I've never had the moment after the final whistle when you pick up the trophy and you walk around the pitch. But in the semi-final, it was the same kind of feeling because this was a David and Goliath. No matter what anybody says, you know, it was little old Palace who we was still struggling towards the bottom of the table playing Liverpool the, the, the last of the great Liverpool era because if you remember 1990 was the last time they won the league and they were going for the double and we, they got yeah. to the semi-final and we ruined it because you know we ended up winning the game and they would have played Man United who knows which way that would have gone anyway but yeah. um, so it was just a magical moment we got back in the changing room and everyone was screaming at each other and I remember Andy grabbing me around the neck and pulling me towards him he goes we're going to play in an FA Cup final and, and it just it didn't seem right to say it it just I don't know, it just didn't sound right. Um, right, he had the plaster on his foot, so he was hobbling everywhere and people were spraying <laughs> pain. You know, Gary Riley, Gary Riley smiled, which is like him and Steve smiling <laughs> the same room as you need. Um, and just, you're just hugging these guys you've spent like eight, nine months with or longer, you know, thinking this is the best, this is the best time in your career. It doesn't, it doesn't get any better than this. We've just beat Liverpool. In the FA Cup semi-final, and then you know John Barnes came in. I think with with Matt McMahon or it might have been Ronnie Whelan just said, "Listen, well done. You deserve it. You good luck in the final." And I, I wondered why they did that, but it's a tradition that if you're, you're on the losing team, you go and wish them well. And and you know I, I kind of like respected them for doing it. And then yeah, we chucked Ron in the big bath. And those days, there's like a at Villa Park. There was like a big communal, like it was like a, well, it's like a mini swimming pool virtually. The players just jump in there and all together, but they kind of cut them out later so we chucked Ron in there in his suit because he had to give us a bonus what he was trying to give us um, it, yeah it was it was, um, it was just you think it was, the um, cup lost its luster mark listen from those days there's, there's a lot of live television there's a lot of live yeah. football you know I, I don't know how many of the games there are live but the, 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 there's a lot of live games we're talking about a, an, an era when the FA Cup final was a live game. I think the League Cup final might have been live, and it I wasn't. Can't remember any any other games being live? It was all match of the day or pre-recorded. So you're talking about this era being live, live FA Cup semi-finals and live cup finals when there wasn't much other stuff on the TV. So you used to sit down in the morning and watch those games. I can remember doing it as a younger player and younger person, and then younger player, and then when it was my turn to play in it, the focus and attention was on that game, like. You, if I said to you three years ago who was in the final, you wouldn't know. You know, you just wouldn't know. But those days, everyone talked about what an unbelievable game the FA Cup semi-final was. Partly because it was a great game at 4-3. Partly because there was no other, there was only one or two live games per season on the TV. So the reason it, most people remember it so well is it was in a unique game. It was a unique happening, you know. It was the first time the FA Cup semi-finals were played live. Um, and so, yeah... It, 
it has it has lost a little bit, yeah. But to me, it's still the most magical cup competition. You know, the Champions League is only available to 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 two well four teams, and you know most most of you're not going to finish in the top four. But the FA Cup's available for everybody in the football in the football association. So if you're affiliated. You 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 can start off like they started off now. I know League Town played the other week, and I was looking at their result. They won and. And you know, theoretically, as we know, we've seen in the, in the history of the FA Cup, a team can go, a non-league team can can beat a, a Premier League team or yeah. you know, a Championship team. It can happen. So it's still a magical cup for me. It holds a- Sutton beat Coventry. Do you remember? Yeah, they were and Coventry yeah. were holders of the. He FA was a postman. I think he was a postman. I can't think of his name now, but yeah, he scored a yeah. goal. But. I always remember Blythe Spartans for some reason from the mists of it- my memory. He had a good cup run. Live spot played Stoke City one year. I think they got took him to penalties. I think Gordon Banks saved the penalty. I was because I'm a Stoke boy. And I remember it being in the in the paper. There was a like it, I remember seeing the picture in the local paper, even his Sentinel, and there was a penalty. And Gordon Banks was going to his left and tipping it like round the post. I'm sure that that's um, that was one of my memories as a younger player. So yeah, I remember the I remember the history of the FA Cup and all the players who played in it, and you know the Charlie George final. So. It's hard to when you're in that position. Think we are going to do this. We are. This is what's ahead of us. And the, I've got to say, walking out though in in the final, across you know from the old Wembley, walking out the, the tunnel across the sand thing with the and to the halfway line, and the balloons and the noise and the it was more than I could ever imagine. It really was. And for anybody at the game there, it must have been the proudest moment to see your team walking out there in the FA Cup final. You know, against Manchester United because you know most people said, "Oh, they'll they might have beat Liverpool. They'll get battered against United in the final." And you know, it was it was Ian's final. You know, he come on and scored two, and we got within what seven or eight minutes of of, of taking a, of winning a trophy. But and if we'd have got that penalty in the replay, that should have been given. <laughs> not go there. Eh? Should we get back to some reality? Yeah. We played at Wembley a lot, didn't we? In a few, in quite over two or three seasons, we had the um, that uh, centenary tournament. It was our first ever appearance, wasn't it? When we played Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. And it was a, a very weird day at Wembley because there were about twenty-three different sets of supporters yeah. there. Yeah. And then we had the Zenith Data systems, didn't we? With the Zenith Data, we was we was unlucky because it was the year after we played in the FA Cup final, so it just really felt hollow. You yeah. Know, but, hey, we won that. Didn't we? we beat Everton. So yeah, yeah, four-one yeah. after extra time. One-one was it? Yeah, we had great, about thousand fans in. They had about seven thousand, I think. That's that's it, yeah. But anyway, like I said, getting back to um, question from Rufus off the BBS uh, and on. Where do you think that Palace will finish this season? Give us a just give us a number. Where you well, think? Just, listen, it's all going well so far. You're looking at ten games gone. Nine, 18 points is it? Something nineteen points. We you, you nearly you nearly averaging two points a game. If 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 the Blaze can consistently perform like that, they'll get promotion because you know you you get ninety something points. Yes, it's it's a tall order. It's something you know Dougie won't like anyone talking about promotion at this stage of the season. But what you've got to say is this squad, as we've said earlier in the program, is I think most people will be really encouraged by the balance of this squad and the depth. And the quality we've got in it, so you know, I, I, I would love us to finish in that top six, you know, and and have this conversation another two or three months time, and see where we are then. But I'm re- I'm really encouraged and enthusiastic about this season more than more than I have been over. I don't know since we had the problems, it was, you know, this 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 team, this squad, 
has the capabilities of hanging in there and staying in the top six from what from what I've seen so far in this league. Because as we know, the, the 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 league, you can watch some games and you don't know who's going for promotion and who's fighting relegation. That's that's a perfect place to leave that. Really, there's there's one or two questions we didn't get to, but to be honest, they came in too late. So it's their own fault. Go um, <laughs> if you've got them in front of you, just shout them out quickly. Right, I will do. I'll do one last one last little one. There's a guy uh, called Joe Greach who what did, he said basically, what did you make of players like Dennis Bailey, Steve Claridge, and Stan Collymore? Would they have made it at Palace if we could have used three subs per game back then? Don't know. Stan came from Stafford Rangers and he did really well when he came. He, you know, he, was, he had all the attributes to be a top player, which he went on to play for Liverpool and Villa and, um, and, and whatever. But at the Palace, he didn't crack it. He didn't crack it maybe because he didn't feel part of it. He came in. He was, uh, um, it was just one of the things. He made a move. It wasn't happening for him. When he moved, did he go South End? Went South End and cracked That's it. it yeah. Forest. yeah, so listen, he had a great career. Uh, he did well. Claridge came, didn't stay very long. Said he always said writing me never made him feel welcome. Um, he said we would kind of bullied him from not getting in the t- not get in the team, which is <laughs> he's two thirds right there. So <laughs> we kind of shut him out of it a little bit, right? Ah, me. so it's your fault then that he rubbishes us uh, on yeah. match of the day or the program. <laughs> <laughs> he always says, right, we weren't teammates. You and Wrighty never spoke to me when I come in the morning. He never spoke to me. Never passed to me. He said, you didn't want me there. So, you know, that's what we ended up going. So he said, oh, no. He's part like of the it's about 10. Yeah, Claridge was all right, actually. <laughs> and um, who was the other one? It's Colin Moore Claridge. Uh, Dennis Bailey. Dennis did well. Dennis did quite well. He'd come from non-league and, you know, he, he did ever so... Dennis was the last player to score a hat-trick at Blooming Manchester United, wasn't he, for Queen's Park Rangers? I remember that. New Year's so, Day, wasn't it? Listen, you can't say that he hasn't had a good career. I mean, that's one of the most memorable memories you can probably have in football. Scoring a hat-trick there. I mean, I've scored one or two goals. But, um, yeah, Dennis did all right. He came from non-league. And that, those during those days, Steve used to have quite a few players from, you know, from non-league or lower divisions and give them a tryout, see how they did. And, you know, Pods was probably the most famous one who came from non-league, from Yeovil and... Um, yeah, there was there's many players coming over the course of um, you know m- my career at Palace. Come in, have a tryout, don't do anything, off they go, and then they you end up meeting them later on and saying, "Don't you remember I came for a trial?" There was lots of players coming in for trials in those days, but no, I mean, in general, the, the, obviously pointing to the highlight of my career, leaving Leicester City and going to Palace was the making of me. It was a taking a step down to take two steps forward to go to go back up, and and that's what happened and. You know, as everyone knows, the the rest it's it's um that's why I've uh, a strong you know I have strong feelings for Palace because had I not made that move, I don't know where my career would have gone. I might have spiraled. Might have you know gone to Hull City, which I went to talk to them. I didn't fancy going to Hull. I didn't fancy going to Warsaw. They wanted me, and there was something about Palace, London, and then I went to see the team play against Forest in a cup game. Steve said, "Come and watch us. We're playing against Forest." And I saw right, and I saw Andy, and I said, "Do you know what? Yeah, I can see, I can see myself in the team," and and that was it. So yeah, we, I'll never look back since since moving there. So yeah, I don't know if it's because I'm a Palace fan, you kind of take more notice of of the players, but but that team that you were in, we do seem to have high profile with Pardew doing well at Newcastle. We've got lots of people um, in the media as well, and um, Gareth having his media slots, and yeah. you know. But is, what if you get is about that group of players that 
Or is it just me because I'm a Palace fan and take more notice of him? Yeah, I don't know really. I think mean, you go through the team and you think John Humphreys is coaching, I think, at Whitgift. And, you know, Nigel Martin, I think, is doing a bit of goalkeeping coaching. Um, Thorny was obviously manager into, for Coventry until recently. Cookie's the national coach of Wales. Solarco's in the media. Um, you know, I was doing some of the media. Wrighty did some of the media. Um, Jeff Thomas, what well, a miracle. Um, yeah, so Pards, yeah, managing. Um, Richard Shaw, coaching staff at. at um, yeah, I don't know. You, you probably don't, Steve probably inspired people to want to go into the game or naturally progression. Some people want to go and stay in the game. Other people want to come out and do other things. I don't know. There's something about that team. I mean, the team I played with at Sheffield Wednesday, virtually the whole team went into management or coaching. From you know Chris Woods who's at Everton, you go to Roland Nielsen, he was manager at Coventry, Nigel Pearson, manager at Leicester, Nigel Worthington, national manager at Northern Ireland, um, Peter Shirtliff was assistant manager with Danny, Danny Wilson, Viv Anderson coached, Chris Waddle managed at Burnley, um, John Hawks was national coach, national coach for um, national manager for the under twenty ones in America, um, who else? Gemmo, he was coach at Ilkeston or something, Carlton Palmer, Mansfield. Um, Notts County. I think it was only Hurst and myself. We didn't go into management, so okay. yeah, that's the way some people, some players see their future, some don't. So I've, I've been lucky. I've been part of two groups of lots of people have gone into management and coaching, and and you stay in touch and you you watch them. But yeah, I'm going to go up and stay with Pards for a couple of days and watch how how it's changed and watch how they do things now. And um, um, he, he, you know, he said to me, come up and watch how we do it. And, so I'll go and stay with them and, and see how they do it because I'm obviously interested in how it all works now. You've been out of it for a decade or so. When Andy Woodman's up there with him, and he's the goalkeeping coach. Yeah, Woody's up there. He just yeah. signed a huge contract along with uh, along with Pods. He'll be unbearable, Woody. Unbearable. <laughs> you know, just a, just a very quick thing on that. He's uh, he's aunt, His mum knows my auntie, and if you go down Crystal Palace between the, uh, down West Norwood Hill, there used to be a red grow on the right hand side. And I used me and him used to have shots at each other on there. <laughs> <laughs> How bizarre is that? Well, I'll tell you something. That was worth listening to. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks for that anecdote, Joe. I should have just interviewed you instead. I'm so, like, I've, got to, I've got to say, Andy Woodman's one of the funniest guys in football, though. He is one of the funniest yeah. guys, and I think Paz yeah, loves him around him, you know, and um, a proper character, proper South London boy as well. Um, but listen, really enjoying it up there. I spoke to him. Oh, I think it was maybe three, four weeks ago when Pards was got fined <laughs> for pushing the official, and um, he was down in London facing the charge. And I, I bumped into Pards in the West End, and we had, went and had a coffee. And his phone rang, and it was Woody, so I spoke to him for a few minutes. So, uh, yeah, li- listen, happy to see all the boys do well yeah. from Palace era, you know. And pleased for Cookie the other night when you know Gareth Bale got the winner for them because you know it's not been easy the job, but he took over there and. He's a good lad, Cookie, and I, you know, he came down to watch a game, um, which game Burnley. He came down with it, and his son, you know, he's part of like um, uh, agency work management group now, and you know, he's like twenty years old or something. And you can remember, obviously, when they they bring the kids to the club, and they're kid, they're six, seven, five years old or whatever. Yeah. So you know, you realise how old you're getting when you see how, <laughs> That's it, I mean, yeah. how well they're doing. So yeah, oh, happy to see any of the boys do really well, and you know, try and text them and just say, well done, good result. You know, good luck at the weekend, or good luck next week, and the same for Cookie. Uh, you know, on 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 Tuesday. 
Okay, and just just to end with, um, you mentioned earlier on that you're looking. You've had a bit of time off because you're you're hit, but you're looking to get back into coaching this year. So, um, yeah, usually I do a couple of nights a week at the academy. So I think um, you know I was speaking to Gary. Is it? Um, I saw him um, at the um, the Burnley game, and he just asked me how it's going. And Alex, Alex, and um, Manos, the, the, the physio, he's been. He had a look at me the other week and gave me a new set of exercises to do. And um, well, I won't go into bore you with detail, but anyway, uh, hopefully it's getting a bit stronger now and better, and I can start going back down there on the Thursday nights and passing on the knowledge. That's it. Brilliant. Okay, I'm going to let you go now, Mark. I really appreciate your time once again. No worries. An absolute pleasure. Um, I'm, yeah, I know there's plenty of people who've enjoyed it at home as well. So, um, look, thanks so much, and we'll, we'll keep in touch with you as well, and, and hopefully get to speak to you again in, a, in another point soon. In the not too distant future, sure. we say. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much. Really Cheers, good. boys. Cheers. Cheers. Bye now. Cheers, Mark. Thank you. Bye. Okay, fantastic chat there with Mark Brighton. So so generous of his time once more, and he knows a lot about football. A hell of a lot about football. More than us. Tell. Much more than us. <laughs> Great guy. Um, He's after look, your job, Chris. It's obviously it's uh, coming up to twenty-five to ten now. So rather than preview Mill, we don't want to know too much about them anyway. Obviously, they've played some matches. They're not doing very well. They got a win in their last game, but it all goes out the window for them in a derby. We've got a few predictions. I'll pick out a few. Ben Mintram says Palace going to win four nil. Um, Terence from Red Blue Army reckons a one nil Palace win. Glenn Murray converting a Zaha one penalty. We've seen that before, haven't we? Uh, pick out one more. Barbara Paul, um, Reckons Palace 3, Millwall 1. So basically everyone pretty much predicting a Palace win. Uh, I think there's one from John Finn, who Reckons 1-1, one, one because it's their cup final and we don't want to risk our players. Uh, <laughs> at the end, they'll have 10 men on the pitch, plus the odd beer-bellied fan. That was a good prediction. <laughs> so um, if I'll just get your prediction, guys, and then we'll go. Um, what do you reckon, Nick? I reckon um, two years ago I said uh, we'd struggle, but we seem to be doing better in Derby since Doug has been with us. So, 5 3. 5 3. Joe, you're incredulous. I've seen your prediction, but what was it? 3 0 to us. 3 0 to us. Fantastic. 3 penalties. 3 penalties. <laughs> um, I think, it's, listen, it's always a tough game against Millwall. Um, for whatever reason, they. You know, it's a dark. Well, we know whatever reason it's a derby game. They they raise their game against us, but I think we're a different team this year. And hopefully, the international break hasn't uh, caused us to lose anything. So I think we'll probably get a two 0 win there. Um, that's us for today. Thank you so much for listening. Obviously, podcast will be out if you want to re-listen to the fantastic words from Mark Bright. And we'll be back next week. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.